You're listening to Hope Alive, your number one online Christian radio station. You are on time for an exciting episode on Monday, the exciting edition of Mnati Biz, where we plug small businesses within, we are in conversation with Ntogozo Slachwayo, podcaster, uh, speaker, writer, author, you know, uh, businessman himself, and he has um, a company called Filigrinet, but also is um, the conversations that we normally have are inspired by the conversation we would have had on the Business Forecast, which is their YouTube and podcast platform, and they bring in all different guests and they unpack certain conversations that we then bring here and we really extract parts that you might have watched and missed or maybe parts that you might not think that they are as important and we come here to just break down some of those principles to take you business to the next level so if you're joining us and it's the first time you are listening to the midday hangout right here on hope alive radio our whatsapp line is 067-153-1089 you can send us a voice note or a text message if you've got any comment that you want to bring in and contribute towards this conversation and today we're going to be unpacking the subject of um, calling forth your team, how to assemble a team when you are building a business. Good afternoon, Togozo. How are you? Oh, afternoon, people. I'm awesome, thanks. Uh, how are you? We are fantastic. It is good to have you back. Um, I know that last week it was not practical with all that was happening in your world, but welcome back. Oh, it's good to be back. And as usual, I miss you. Uh, one of my favorite things here to do today on the week part of the week with you guys so i'm excited to be back it is good and today we're speaking about an exciting and maybe a very important part of business because normally when the vision comes it comes to you as an individual or the visionary and it's very easy to think that to bring it to fruition or to bring it to implementation um practically you will you are everything that it will need and it's not always the case is it yeah, most definitely, most definitely. I feel like that's one of the biggest misconceptions um, that small business owners or entrepreneurs have, is that they can do everything themselves because they've got the vision, whereas actually assembling a team is probably going to be one of the most important success factors that you implement. So it's a very, very important topic to, to, to have, and a very, I think it's very important to dispel that misconception early on. I like let's let, why is it important to not be the jack of all things and the only person that does everything as an individual? Why is it important that you don't do that, especially when you are still starting out your small business? Um because I do know that a, there's a stage where you will have to do a lot by yourself. But when do you, why is it important not to maintain that, to stay on that level for too long? And how do you know it's time to now move away from being the guy that does it all? Yeah, I mean, I think it starts off with that old adage, right? That, you know, jack of all trades means you're master of none. And the thing is about success in business is that you have to have decision, right? Uh, one person once said that, you know, the thing that's going to make you separate with business is that you're able to do something much better than other people. Now, the problem is if you're doing too many things, you know, taking your attention and your mind power away from the one thing that you could do better than anyone else. Because immediately when you start doing something better than anyone else, you start rising above the rest and you start becoming attractive to other people. But if you're doing so many things, you know, it takes away from that. And that's the danger of wanting to do everything. And I've experienced this myself, you know, where I was doing so many other things 
that I started doing less of what I was good at. And at the end of the day, I stopped, you know, standing out. You know, at the end of the day, I was just like everybody else. And therefore, the thing that made my business special stopped being special because of that. So that's something you need to understand very early. You know, you as a, a visionary, you need to be able to focus on what you're good at and have other people who come in then with other skill sets who do something better than you or do things that you can't do so that you can now come together and build this organization. Because by definition, a business is a coming together of more than one person to do something greater than themselves. So that, that is very important. And, and to answer your second question in terms of when do you know that it's time, for me, I would say the sooner the better. Mm. You know, I always like to, to cite the fact that the most successful people that we all admire they didn't start their businesses on their own. You know, they had something called a co-founder. You look at um, uh, Apple computers, for example. It was started by Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. You look at Google, it was started by Larry Page and Sergey Brim. You look at even uh, Microsoft, it was started by Bill Gates and Paul Allen. And you might want, you, I mean, when you're starting out, you want to be, you, I own 100% of my company. But actually having a co-founder who's got the same understanding and same vision as you, but with a different skill set, will actually give you a greater edge when it comes to being successful in business. Mm. And I like the fact that, you know, because a lot of us, we normally obviously subscribe to this uh, notion and the school of thought that says do as much as you can um, until you can't do it by yourself anymore and they'll get somebody in who's going to help you do it. So I like that fact that you are presenting that to say maybe as soon as you can. But I want to ask this question now because the examples that you gave us, your Steve Jobs, your, 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 Mike, your Bill Gates and so forth, the people that they started with, they were co-shares, you know, co-founders, sharing 50-50 and so forth. What if somebody's listening to us right now and saying, I want to bring in a skill set, but I don't want to, I don't want to give them my shares of my company. I just want them to help in certain aspects of the business. So how important is it then um, for them to have, what kind of, maybe let me phrase it like this, what kind of individuals or skill sets then would be critical to bring in, in a space where you're saying, I still want to be, the 100% shareholder. I'm bringing these people as contractors. I'm bringing them as employees, but not as co-founders. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that is a, a mindset that a lot of people might have. And just to answer the second part, um, of course, businesses differ, right? Which means, you know, your core um, um, skill set that you're going to need is going to be different. But in general, you know, when you look at the four most important skill sets that are needed in business, firstly, you know, you need somebody who's going to be the vision driver. And that's usually someone who's going to be the CEO, who's going to knock on doors, who's going to communicate the value of the business to investors, to customers, who's going to try and get you on radio stations, on magazines. You need a vision driver, you know. And, and you look at, again, Apple Computer, the person with the genius of building computers was not Steve Jobs, right? But Steve Jobs ended up becoming the face of Apple computers because he was the vision driver. He was the person who had the ability to communicate the value of the vision. So it's not always the person with the technical skills who has the ability to actually drive the vision and get the funding and get the customers. So you need that person who's a vision driver. And then also you need the person who's you know, an operations manager or chief operations officer. And what that means is this is a person who's going to make sure that the things that are supposed to be done are done. Right. This is someone who's going to have to be analytical when it comes to, for example, 
with um, Amagota. It's going to have to be that person who says, okay, we're buying this much stock at this time. We're opening at this time. We're closing at this time. They're making sure that everything gets done, right? That's so, so important because most of the time I've seen vision drivers, you know, are not so good at actually, you know, um, managing the team or actually, you know, ordering the things that need to happen. So you need that person who's got that analytical mind because usually the people who are vision drivers are the people who are creative, right? They came up with the idea, you know, they're dreamers. Mm. And you need somebody who's more practical, who's going to say, I hear your dream, but we can't, we, we have to stop here. We, we have to stop spending money. We have to meet four times a week. You know, you need somebody who's going to do that. Then, of course, you're going to need somebody who's going to be either, you know, financial manager or your business analyst because you're going to be working with money. And if you're going to be asking for money, you need somebody who's going to understand how to cost your product, how to, you know, um, you know, add a markup to the product, how to draw up the financial statements or to draw up the financial projections rather. And actually, when the money starts coming in, to know how to record it properly, to, you know, work with, with FARs when it comes to tax. So... The financial part is very important because one of the biggest reasons for SME failure in our country is the mismanagement of finances. And, you know, so you need somebody who's going to, to, to handle that. And, of course, you need somebody who's going to be your marketing person because, again, there's no use having a great product if, you, you know, you're not able to communicate the value of the product to potential customers. So marketing is very, very important, whether it's social media marketing, somebody maybe who can also do websites. That's also going to be very important, somebody who can design your posters, your flyers, come up with a marketing strategy. So for me, no matter what your business is, you know, those are four of the most important skills or, or roles that every business needs. I like uh, the, I mean, because many of us, when we're starting a business and you're registering and you're still starting out, the first thing you will invest in probably is more your marketing side. You know, you look into your logo design, you know, because you want to get people's attention and stuff like that. And sometimes you do get the attention of the people, but, and then that comes in with um, a high demand that you can't deliver to because you did not set mm -hmm. up the two that was critical. One, the funding, because you didn't expect, you knew you wanted the attention, but now the attention comes and you don't know how to handle the resource, the financial part of it because you didn't bring in somebody in the team or you yourself might not have that financial literacy that is necessary to capitalize on that booming season of the business. And then, of course, the one that you also spoke about, um, the operations manager is an important one because you going out there, you're getting this attention, now you're getting Amaota's I-20, I-30 per 30 minutes. It's more than just one person coming in to buy and now you don't know, you run out of stock. You sell in the morning and then, by the time the afternoon comes and people come to buy, you can't because now you've ran out of stock. You don't have a bucket to go order some more. You have to wait for the morning and so forth. So I think I've never thought about how important these two are in the business space. We've spoken a little bit earlier on um, in the past few weeks about... Um, you know, whether or not you need office space. Because a lot of people are going to be like, How, I need to get an office space. I need to have cleaners <laughs> in the office space. I need to have somebody that's going to do the photocopy and PA in the front desk. And that time there's no demand at that mm. moment. So how do we then advise this person? Because now you're bringing in this financial um, a manager, you bring in the operations manager. Where are they working from to avoid the mistakes and the pitfall of having an office space that then doesn't serve you but becomes an expense? 
Yeah, I know. That's a great question. And I think it goes back to the second part of your initial question, um, that what if this, you know, you don't want to give away shares? Mm. Um, and if you don't want to give away shares, to be honest, you have to be willing and able to pay these people because they're giving you their time. And if they're giving you their time, they have to be paid in some way. Mm. Now, the powerful thing about giving away shares is that firstly, you don't need to pay the people, which means your company is not losing money because the problem is when you come, when you start in your company, you want your, as much money, as much cash flow as possible flowing within your company that, you know, you're not, you know, hemorrhaging, you know, cash. So the, the powerful thing about shares is that, you know, your company can actually grow with the money it generates without having so many people actually, you know, you having to, you, you having to pay so many people. And another advantage with giving out shares is that because, somebody is actually becomes a part of your company when you give them shares, it incentivizes them to actually work harder because mm -hmm. they're more invested in the success of your business. It's not just an employee who's actually doing the bare minimum so that they can actually get their check at the end of the month. When you're giving someone shares, you're telling them this is your baby as well. And, you know, they're more likely to bring in customers. They're more likely to bring in potential um, uh, funders. They're more likely also to, to be more lenient when it comes to the operations, which now takes me back to your question now that if you don't have office space and we are all shareholders, we are able to say, no, guys, let's work from home because we're building this thing from scratch. And going back to your your... Sergey Brin and Larry Page, I mean, those are the founders of Google and all of those guys. You look at their stories and a lot of them started at their parents' garages, right? Um, so they didn't have to pay for office space. And what's powerful is that when you're building this team that all has shares in this company, they don't mind working in a garage. Whereas mm -hmm. when you employ someone formally, it might be harder for you to convince them to work at a garage or to work from home. But I mean, working at a garage or working from home using Zoom and things along those lines nowadays are very practical. So don't shy away from starting small. The guys you see in office spaces, those are the same guys who started in garages. So don't be afraid to start there. But also, even if you don't have something like a garage or you live far from each other, you still can use Zoom. There's many tools nowadays that way, you know, uh, there's a tool called Trello where it actually allows teams to work together very well, you know, remotely. You know, so much so that I would personally advise you not to get out of space because I've made that mistake. I got my funding, I got out of space, and I regretted it because mm. I was spending this money every month and nothing was coming in. And at the end of the day, you know, it ended up, you know, it ended in tears, as they would say. <laughs> so, <the> I, <laughs> I, I, I get that. And I, I think, I mean, we've had the conversation as well of having, um, giving away shares but also we've spoken and explored the other danger of it because what could be the value of the shares when we start out might not necessarily be the value of the shares in the long run but also sometimes we're giving i mean especially with what you've just pointed out you're giving shares with the hope that it will in, in it will be like an incentive that inspires the peers, the person to put in the extra hours to go out and be deliberate and bring in the business. But you also run the risk of the opposite being true. A person now has shares and they're like, okay, let's see what are you pushing? So they still don't bring their weight to the table. And then you now have to start, you are stuck with this person forever for as long as the business exists because they now a shareholder. So that's something that I want us to maybe uh, unpack. We're going to take a short song on the other side. I want to really look at, that danger of how then do we, when we've amassed this talent and these skills that we have just spoken about, how do we first of all keep that talent, but also 
how do we release that talent when we realize that maybe mm. it doesn't serve? Because sometimes the skills are great when we're starting out because you can deal with operating a company of four, I mean, one store. But now we've grown to a point where we've got a hundred people in the house and we still want to keep you because we're loyal to the fact that we started with you, but now we are losing money because you still not, you are not able to grow with the business. So I want to just um, unpack those thoughts a little bit in how to let go in a healthy way. 067-153-1089 on the line. We are with Ndogos Oslajwayo, author, speaker, podcaster, and uh, we're speaking all things small business. We're going to give you Mary Mary saying go get it because we want to inspire you to go get your team but also want to inspire you to go get that bag whatever that bag is go out there and collect it. Go get it, go get it, go get it. That is Mary Mary. But go get that bag. It is your time. Go get your blessing. Go get whatever it is yours. It is half past one. We're still in conversation and maybe wrapping up with Ntogozo uh, Sachwayo. If you have any questions that you want to give to us uh, about small business, maybe. And I mean, this conversation is a lot focused on small businesses because we want to upscale them. But no matter which scale level of business you are in, and I always say that you can take these some of these principles and use them in how you do family, in how you do friendship. You know, what kind of people, who's the operating uh, operating manager in your in your friendship squad? You know, sometimes you're always fighting with your friends because whenever you have an outing, you're using the same person to organize all the time and they don't have it in them to put together. You don't even know. The person that is collecting the money always brings the money shorter and then you still using the same person so you could use the same principles to really in to i mean effect to be effective in other spaces of your life so we spoke a little bit before we went and uh, before we uh, went on to the song go get it by mary mary i was asking you about you know when is it healthy times to uh release or to keep the team but before we even get there we, we were touching on a little bit on um shares and i spoke about uh, the risk that we did unpack in the previous show of giving your shares to uh somebody that then becomes dead weight and now you're stuck with this person if you want to reflect on that before you get into uh, maybe how to help when how do we keep the team and how do we know when to release the team yeah, no, that's a fantastic question. And, you know, thank God there is a great answer for that. Um, and this is what people, I always want to, you know, teach people this, that, you know, the idea of giving shares um, is not as simple as, you boom, you've got shares now. You know, there's something called a vesting schedule that comes along with giving shares. And this is a system that is used a lot in the United States, especially in Silicon Valley, when you're looking at tech companies, because they use the system a lot of incentive bars and using shares, but they understand the danger that you've mentioned. Hence, they introduce something called a vesting schedule. What that means is when I'm paying you in shares, people, for example, I'm not giving you shares directly. I'm giving you share options, um, which means that you've got the option to receive shares from me or to buy shares from me at a certain price in the future. But the vesting schedule is basically saying it is conditional on certain things, right? So a typical vesting schedule, firstly, would say 
it only operates, uh, it, it only gets into effect after three years, for example. So it means even though Sipo has been working for me and has potential shares in my company, these shares only pass on to you after a period of three years. And also, a vesting schedule also has certain conditions. So it says, if, for example, I can put conditions that people must be working in my company for three years, for one, he must be operating at a certain level, he must reach these targets, he must do A, B, C, D. So usually a vesting schedule has all of those things and it exists to solve the problems that you mentioned yourself as well. We would see a person can't now be dead weight, you know, which means, you know, you literally can be working for me for two and a half years and you quit and at that moment, it means you're not going to get your shares because according to our schedule, they only vest after three years. Or if you start, you know, falling off and not doing your work, you won't get your shares because they're only conditional on you reaching a certain score of productivity per month. Mm. So there are things like that that, you know, small businesses can put into place. For example, I have um, in my company an advisor who only gets shares if they live up to certain criteria. So I know if you don't help me get funding or if you don't help me with the things you said you're going to help me with, you don't get anything, you know. So there are ways to avoid that and i believe that you know you know if people if people want to know more about that they can just reach out to me and i'll just give them advice on that but mm. there's definitely ways around that and and they really benefit everyone because you can't now expect shares without doing the work you know mm. so it's, it's a very fair system uh, according to my opinion i think we need to do a show on this uh aspect of the show the vesting part a schedule of the how to how to do that because a lot of people when we're speaking i mean especially when we're thinking about small businesses it's in the hood i'm asking my father to invest and then i'm saying papa kitlaufa 10000 i mean 10000 10% shares papa no 20000 35% shares and then it's just like that puts the money in account and now we agree and we walk on that without having to explore that. So maybe let's pin let's pin a, a, a point down to come and speak about the vesting uh, schedule and we're going to mix that conversation with also contracts. What? How do you draw up contracts for your employees versus drawing up contracts for... Um, you know your 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 contributors, your your the, your suppliers, and then also for your shares holders. I think that's maybe going to be an interesting conversation to unpack that because a lot of us do a lot before we even get to the paperwork, and then we start fighting without having done due diligence with the paperwork. So maybe that's a conversation for another day, right? No, definitely, that's a big one, and I feel like people are going to enjoy it because they'll actually realize that it's not as daunting. And as scary as they would think, you know, there's actually some companies that help more businesses with this and there's some places where you can get templates to help you with this. So I think it will be a very, very beneficial conversation. All right. But let's get back into today's conversation that we're having. And today we're asking you, now that we're speaking today, especially on assembling and putting together a team, and we spoke about the four people that would might be critical, you know, for you as a visionary to be one of those, having an operating, an operations manager, having somebody in the finance and maybe somebody with the marketing, depending on the businesses that you're doing, they will come in different orders, but those would be some of the critical skills that you would need. Now, how do we keep... Um, you know, uh, these relationships and these 
skill set? How do what should we take into account when we want to preserve these? It's like you know some people have got this um, you know the hunters. Um, drive when you're looking for talent or like when you're macking on a lady you want to you give your all to get them but you enjoy the high of getting and once you have you know it's like ah mm. now let's look for another high because you are always wanting to be in the pursuit of the height of of i mean the hunt so in business how important is it to be content and also to think about how to maintain these forces in the same thing, I would want to also ask the, the second part of the question to say, how, when do you know it's time to let go and how do you then approach that conversation? Mm. You know, I love this question and I, I, I wish I would have thought about this, you know, earlier on, you know, in my business career because, you know, it's very true. What you're saying is so true that you'll find that a lot of times the, per- the, the people you started with, you know, mm. end up not being the people who continued and it's for different reasons. You know, sometimes they get a better job or sometimes they, their passion is not there anymore or maybe they, they've outlived their usefulness in exact, in the project that we're, we're undertaking. And because I didn't have things in place, you know, it didn't. Some, sometimes it didn't end up well. But, you know, for me, I think firstly, um, I think one thing you need to do with your team is create a culture of openness and honesty, mm-hmm. um, you know, so people can actually be open about how, what exactly they want from you how long do they envision themselves staying here? And, you know, how, how far does this really, do they see this relationship going? You know, just to carry on with your metaphor, is this a casual thing or is this, you know, preparing for marriage? You know, be honest from the get-go with your team members so that you know what sort of team that you have because it's very possible to have a rotational team which is different to your core team that you're going to go with. And it's important for you to identify those very early on. And I feel like one of the ways you can do that is to... We, we should go back to creating short work cycles, I believe, mm. you know, which are supported by the vesting schedules that I spoke about, you know, and going back to some companies have those contracts, like it's a one-year contract, you know, and I feel like that system would be so beneficial for small business owners because we understand that there's such a huge turnover or cycling of employees as a small business owner that you end up feeling bad when actually you're losing people, but actually people are, your business is too small for to attract talent for a long time when you're starting out. So be honest about the fact that you only need people for short periods of time as your business transitions through the growth phase or the growth cycle. So start having those conversations saying, you, I need marketing from you, but I need it for six months. Yes. You know, do that six month contract. They understand what they, they are coming in with. And when six months, six months comes and they want to continue, then, you know, you do another contract, you know, and I feel like if small business owners start operating in this way, it will save us a lot of heartache and a lot of stress and a lot of disagreements because everyone is open and honest about what they want from each other. And we've got short working relationships so that there is no, you know, our long term argument. So for me personally, you know, I would speak about that honesty part of it, uh, as well as going back to the culture of creating um, short work cycles for, for your employees at the beginning stages i really like the idea of short uh work contracts of course it's not sustainable and for people to get like bonds and so forth and really be able to open an account and all of those things and it will always lead to it will all boil down always to the fact that um you need a, an, a longer contract, a longer commitment to be able to get those benefits. But for small businesses, and that's where we're speaking today, it serves you best because then you can be able to even, you could have like your 
big contract, maybe a one-year, two-year contract with a skill that you really need, like your, you know, maybe your operating manager. But whoever you hire down there in their department who then does go doing the driving to go get the, for example, again, using the quarter shop, the one that goes to get the groceries, the potatoes, the sausages and everything, that could be a short contract. You know, we give you three months, you are our mm. driver, and we want you to do X, Y, and Z. So you keep the skill of the operations manager there so that they understand the system long enough and they are there in the space to be able to exploit and get the most out of them and consistency. But the everybody else... You use a, a, a small contract, the subcontractors. You just say, hey, I need uh, flyers, you know, and I'm not going to have you as a part of the business, but I'm going to have you as a contributor. So whenever we need you, we'll come for your services, but you can do whatever you want to do. So you're a freelancer, you know, and then that way we'll pay you whenever we need to pay you, but we don't always have to have you because we don't need new flyers every week and so forth. So those are the things that we can start implementing. But I really I, I like this idea of short contracts. And I also think it could help alleviate some of the unemployment in our country because a person would know that for mm. the next three months, I've got a job here. And maybe companies will then be more willing to say, okay, if I've got this person for three months, I don't have to pay like maybe UIF for them or medical aid for them. So I can have this person for three months. They bring their skill. They leave. I bring another person for three months. And mm. I think that might be a great future, hey, that we're looking into. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love that. Yeah, no, that's, that's a perfect thing. A perfect way to put, to put that. And yeah, you just opened a new possibility and a new you know, potential way of you know, pushing this employment agenda in our country. And I think that's, that's really beautiful. Let's speak about the culture. You say creating a culture of honesty as we're getting ready to wrap up. But I'm realizing that sometimes in black structures, especially this is our thing as a people, we don't really appreciate honesty. When the person comes in knowing that, you know, I'm using you, I, I want to partner with you for three weeks. Then a person feels already feels like I got fun. I'm in three weeks' time. I won't be here. So why should I even, you know, work hard? So companies will find themselves lying and saying, "No, do this," and then let's communicate in three weeks and see if we can have an extension, knowing that there's no extension in three weeks. But so that they <laughs> could get the maximum out of you, because then they know that you're gonna hope for the best, and you'll probably do a little bit more than is required because you wanna buy in for a, an extension, but it's not. So. <laughs> How do we deal with that? <laughs> sure, that's, that's an interesting question. And and it's true that that is the way it works. You know, um, they do give you that false hope because they do want to get the best out of you. And it works when it comes to, uh, you know, increasing the productivity of the business. But at the same time, I feel like systems like that are one of the reasons why we are where we are in the country. Mm. You know, uh, when it comes to unemployment and people being, dis, you know, disenfranchised when it comes to the work environment. Because at the end of the day, we want to create an employment culture, you know, especially among the small business sector. Let's stop taking practices that are being done at the corporate level that we know is not good and people hate going to work. And let's create a new culture um, among small businesses that is actually to be new, fresh, and is going to inspire people to work, you know, you know, in, in a new way. So for me, yes, lying, you know, and getting people's hopes up might work, <laughs> and it's, but at the same time, it is what has led to, you know, people yeah. working the way they work and not really being happy at work. But I feel like in creating a culture of openness and honesty where everybody, because for me, I'm like, you know, when a person is not, you know, when you're hiring a person, you're not hiring a machine, you're hiring a person. And one thing I know about people is that they like being appreciated. They like being valued and they like 
being you know given value for the value that they put in mm. and i feel like if we inspire that culture of openness to say this is what we're going to need you for and this is what you're going to be contributing towards and if it exceeds our expectations we are we might take it to the next level but at this moment this is what we need you for then i feel like the person will be better able to communicate their value and get their values worth at the end of the day so yeah, yeah. that's that's for me would be a better approach no, fantastic. I think this was a very fruitful conversation and maybe we'll, we will revisit it again another time because it is an important, I think a lot of important things came out. One, especially the one of trying to see how you can, the small contract business, for me, it works because then you can commit when the budget allows you, get the maximum out of those team. And then when the budget doesn't allow you, you don't have the pressure of now saying, ish, I've got to suppose to who's got a wife, who's got a kid. And now I, I don't know how to communicate with him at work mm. because of now you just know he knows it comes in already it's three months it's two months and he knows it's out so he already in the two three months he's starting to look and think how do i stretch this money to last me an extra month when i'm out of here so that i get another job and i think that will allow a lot of people to also gain gain the skills that they need because every cv wants an experience but where are you going to get the experience if you're not getting an opportunity so this was a fruitful conversation thank you so much we we'll do it again next week awesome thank you so much for having me and I want to say all the best to everyone who's listening. Yeah. Any episode dropping tonight? No, unfortunately not. Um, but we are coming back next week. Uh, yes. So that will be uh, exciting. And in a few weeks' time, we are having that huge guest that we promised people. Yes. We managed to reschedule with him. So, yeah, we, we, we're going to be back on soon. All righty. Have a fantastic day. And thank you for so much for the experience and these conversations that are fruitful that we're having right here. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. And thank you as well. Bye, everyone. Yeah, boy, that was Ntogozo Slachwayo, and that's how we wrap it up. You can check them out on uh, Business Forecast on the social media platform, but also you could um, easily just check for Philly Grenet on the socials, Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram and LinkedIn. Look at Ntogozo Slachwayo so that you are able to take these fruits, fruit uh, nuggets that we are sharing here and take them to another level in your household. You are listening to Hope Alive, streaming live from Hope Restoration Ministries, Kempton Park, South Africa.